Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm always, uh, when people that know five languages, right, and then apologize for English isn't so good, don't need to apologize <laughs> for that. I know 1.2 languages, I think, so... Thank you so much. It's good to have all of you. Hey, Kevin, I meant to ask you before. Are you going to be in here tonight for youth group? Is it game night tonight? Okay, so the Sunday night group, we will meet in room 207, as it says in the bulletin. Okay? And uh, two weeks from today, the 16th, we have a special missionary guest, the Kressmeyers, and uh, Paul Kressmeyer, and they will be, we haven't had them here before. Alex knows them quite well. And they'll be here on Sunday night, the 16th, today to share with us their ministry. We'll have more information about that next week. So please keep that in mind as well. Our theme, Longing for Christmas this week, and it goes with our uh, weekly verse as well. Actively looking forward to Christmas. Now, if, if you, I happen to notice in the, uh, the Advent uh, program that's been mentioned that Gary put together for us, You'll notice on tomorrow's reading, the very first reading on Monday, December 3rd, the very first line says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The word that's used there has the idea of eager anticipation. Not just hoping in, in a vague sense, but an idea of eagerly anticipating. You know, this is coming as Christmas time. Think of the first time you or maybe your children went off to college or the military or something, and they came home for the first time at Christmas, and how eagerly you awaited and anticipated to see them once again or for you to come home once again. They were... Simeon was was a man, it tells us in Luke 2, who was in the temple. And he had been told to him, the Lord had told him, God had told this man that he was a devout man and told him that you will not die before you see the Messiah, the promised Messiah. And he was eagerly waiting and anticipating. You know, that uh, phrase is also used about another person at the other end of the story. And that is in Luke chapter 23, Joseph of Arimathea. It says, when Jesus was crucified and buried, there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good, an upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from Arimathea and he was waiting for the kingdom of God. It's the same word. He was eagerly anticipating the coming kingdom of God and the Messiah. And so both of these men, this same word is used to describe their hope and anticipation and waiting for the Messiah. It's interesting, as you read through the Gospels, and especially the, the account in Luke, you think of all the individuals who were an important part of this story. John the Baptist's parents, Zacharias and Elizabeth. They were both surprised when it was told you are going to have the son who is going to be the one who is going to announce the Messiah, the one coming in the spirit of Elijah. They were both surprised it was them, but they were not surprised it was going to happen. 
because they all anticipated. They were waiting. They knew what was going to happen. They didn't know when. Think of Mary. When the angel came to Mary and said, uh, you, are, you, are, you are greatly favored by God and you are going to give birth to a son and you will call his name uh, Emmanuel. You know, it's God with us. And, they, and she was surprised it was her. But she was not shocked that it was going to happen because they were all hoping for it to happen. And Joseph, the same way. The shepherds, the same way. They were surprised that they were the ones who was announced to. But the shock and surprise was not that it was going to happen. They were waiting for it to happen. They were all anticipating that the Messiah was going to come. That was part of their hope and their promise that God had given them. And so I I thought it was interesting as we talk about this topic today, actively looking forward to anticipation, hoping for, actively looking forward to something happening. That I thought was interesting that our verse for today that we are that we are studying together is Philippians three twenty and twenty one. I'll try not to fall off the stage here. But our citizen whoops, I'll try not to do that too. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await it's the same word. It's the same word that's used of Simeon and Joseph of Arimathea and some other places in the New Testament. They were eagerly awaiting a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform all their lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. That is our memory verse for this week. And it fits so well with our thoughts on anticipation and longing for the coming of the Savior. Let's pray together. Fathers, we consider this important verse from your Bible, your scriptures you've given us today. We pray that our hearts will be open to your word. We thank you so much for the freedom we have to come and to worship as we please, to share your word, to encourage one another. We do not take this for granted. And Father, we thank you for each person that has made the effort to come today and to be a part of this service and this ministry. Bless your word. Bless your word to our children as they continue to meet around your word this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Our citizenship is in heaven. Now, in the the King James translation, which many of you grew up with, I grew up with, I'm of that era, um, that age. And uh, you remember it said our conversation is in heaven. And you might think, well, where did you get conversation from the word citizenship? The word citizenship there comes from the Greek uh, politouma, which, of course, we get political from, right? The, the, the body politic, the, the political, the body, the, the commonwealth. And But it's the idea of our conversations in heaven is our way of life. How we, we talk is how we live. And so that's where it came from. But it really is a, probably a better translation, our citizenship. It's the word really for for politic, body politic that, that uh, we have. This epistle, Philippians, was written to the Christian church that's located in Philippi. Now, just to remind you that uh, Philippi, and you can see where the arrow is there. Is there an arrow on there? Mark, is there an arrow on there? All right, good. Thank you. I can't. Okay, I'm going to trust you there. So you'll notice this is upper uh, Macedonia, and uh, to the west would be Rome and uh, Europe. To the east would be Asia Minor, Turkey, 
And so this was the transition area between Europe and Asia. And uh, Philippi was located on that road that traveled straight across west to east, the Roman road that was the, the highly traveled road, and it was right up against the hills and was really the only way to go to get straight across there. And Philippi was a very, very important city. It's the place where the Apostle Paul went, remember, as he, as he ventured into Europe from Turkey, and he went there and they established the church there with the women at the river and eventually the Philippian church and the story of the Philippian jailer and Paul and Silas being beaten and so forth. And uh, the Philippi is a very important city. And uh, for, for, if you think of the context of history a little bit, if you know a little bit about Roman and European history, it was in 42 before Christ, before BCE, that the city gave its name to the battle which saw Mark Antony and Octavian gain revenge on Julius Caesar's assassins, Brutus and Cassius. This battle at Philippi involved the largest number of troops in Roman warfare up to that time, 110,000 men on one side against 90,000 on the other side. And 40,000 casualties took place. It became a Roman colony after this battle, and it was settled by army veterans. And the veterans of the army were granted citizenship and settled down in Philippi. It became a very important center and eventually of this province of the area of Rome. Later on, when Octavian defeated Mark Antony, you might remember that name, at the Battle of Actium in 31 BCE, they received another influx of residents and citizens who settled down in Philippi. Philippi was one of the most important cities in the Roman Empire. It was a free colonial city. And the citizens of Philippi, not everybody was a citizen, but those who were citizens were citizens of Rome with all the rights and responsibilities that went with that. They did not consider themselves so much citizens of Philippi as citizens of Rome. And this was very, very important to them. And so I just wanted to give you that context when we think about this verse that, that, we, that, that, that our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Now, what, is, what does it mean to be a colonial uh, outpost? Because that's what it was. It was considered a colonial outpost of Rome. You know, our country was at one time settled as 13 colonies of England, of Great Britain. What did that mean? It meant that Great Britain established their presence on the shores of the New World, and in so doing, they represented the core values of that culture. And just as in Philippi, the core values of Rome, what it meant to be a Roman what it meant to be part of the Roman Empire, to be a Roman citizen, the core values and all that, whether you like them or not, okay, those core values were all established in Philippi as an outpost of the Roman way of life in a Greek culture, in a Hellenistic culture. And the people at, at Philippi were well aware of this. The, the colony was a foothold of the Roman Empire in Greece. 
And it became very, very important. And it was a very critical city in the Roman Empire in the transition from Europe to Turkey and to Asia and the Middle East. Philippi was the key city that you traveled through to make that transition. Not all were Roman citizens, but the people in Philippi understood this language. When Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven. One of the translations by uh, Moffat, he translates it this way. We are a colony of heaven. The language may not perfectly allow that translation, frankly, but the imagery is good. The imagery is good. That Paul says to the people of Philippi, listen, we are a colony of heaven here on earth at Philippi. Our citizenship is in the heavens. Our citizenship is in the heavens. We are citizens of heaven already. We are already, as Christians, it says we are citizens of heaven. What does that mean? It means just as Philippi represented the core values of Rome as a colony in that world, we represent the core values of heaven. The Philippians represented the core values of heaven where they were located in Macedonia. What are the core values of heaven? What are the core values? What are the essential features of heaven and God where he dwells? What are they? We could name all sorts of them, couldn't we? Some that came to my mind. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. That God extends grace and mercy to those who don't deserve it, like me and like you. Grace and mercy is a core value. Justice and righteousness is a core value of heaven. And we read this in the Old Testament when it talks about the coming Messianic age where, where righteousness and justice will roll down, where they will, there will no longer be war. The lamb will lay down with the lion. They will beat their swords and the plowshares and the farming equipment. The idea that there will be true justice. And what's, what's the theme of Christmas? We sing about peace on earth, goodwill toward men. The idea of, of justice and righteousness is a core value of heaven. Another core value of heaven is hope. Hope. Hope for something better. Hope for what is right. Hope for what is perfect and sinless. The Apostle Paul says to the Philippian believers, who weren't necessarily all citizens of Rome just because they lived there. Some may have been, some may have not. Remember the story when Paul was, was beaten there? Remember what happened? When he says, by the way, is, is it okay to beat a Roman citizen like this? And all of a sudden everything fell apart. I said, what? what? You're a Roman citizen? How did that happen? And, and of course, everything changed. But they weren't all citizens. But Paul says to them, but our citizenship is in the heavens. Our citizenship is in the heaven. The core values of heaven that we are already experiencing, Paul is saying, we are here to represent those on this earth just as the Philippian Christians were to do. How does this translate for us? Look what he says here. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. We eagerly wait. We anticipate. Just as at first Christmas, they were anticipating the coming Messiah. Just as when they were called by God to be a part of that important story of the birth of Christ, and they were all shocked that it was them, but they were all anticipating it. And Simeon could finally say, and Anna, both these two older people in the temple, could die in peace because they'd seen the Messiah. And they were eagerly anticipating it. And we eagerly anticipate the Lord Jesus Christ, the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the citizens of Rome, the citizens of Rome would have eagerly anticipated the appearing of the Roman emperor. Once in a while in my lifetime, uh, the Queen of England has come to some of the Commonwealth nations, right? Like Canada, maybe Australia, New Zealand. And the Queen of England comes to Vancouver, Canada. Boys, that's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah. And we, we you know, we have, that's interesting. We have to watch. This is, it's important. I know it's a lot of tradition and so on, but that's really important. And they would, if the Queen of England announced that she was going to come to Vancouver this spring, would there be eager anticipation as a Commonwealth nation? Of course there would be. And this idea that in Philippi as a, as a colony, when the emperor did come through, and, and visited their city. He was the emperor of Rome. They are a colony of Rome. They are an outpost. They represent Rome. They would eagerly anticipate. I mean, this would be the biggest event for, in fact, they worshiped the emperor literally in the Roman world. They technically had to. And, and, and so when, when Paul says here, we eagerly await and anticipate the arrival of the true emperor, of Christ himself, the Messiah, we do this with great anticipation with eager longing for him to come just as they did that first Christmas. We expect fully. We are not hesitant. You know, this, this term is used in a couple other very important passages. Look at Romans chapter eight, a very important passage of the Bible. Turn your Bibles to Romans, Romans chapter eight, and we'll see this thought, how, how pervasive it is in terms of of what God is doing in this, the hope and redemption that is promised through His mercy and grace. In Romans chapter 8, and in verse 18, the Apostle Paul says this, I consider that our present sufferings, and many of you have suffered many things. Think of the suffering that, that, that you've been through, and others around the world today. Think of the suffering. And Paul says, but I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing. They're not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation, creation, the world, the cosmos, the creation waits. There's our word. Waits. It's a derivative of that same word. That it eagerly anticipate, even, think about that, even creation that you don't think of as having personality maybe, as persons do and personas do. But he says, creation itself somehow eagerly awaits an ex- eager ex- expectation for what? For the sons of God to be revealed. Why? Because when it moves toward that, finally, creation itself is redeemed. When he says that here, for the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice. Creation didn't make the choice to sin, but it was by the will of the one who subjected it after sin in the hope 
that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of Christ. We're talking about creation here. And here it is again. We know that the whole creation has been groaning up in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption. There's our word again. This eager anticipation that God is going to do something spectacular. God is going to redeem the world, the creation itself. God is going to redeem his family. God is going to do this. And Paul says, we are waiting for this in eager anticipation. But I want to point out something to you in, in Philippians that we're considering this morning. Well, let me, one other verse before we do that. Titus, the pastoral epistle of Titus. And in Titus, First and Second Timothy and Titus, Titus chapter two and verse thirteen, verse twelve, verse eleven. Come on, let's go. We got to start in the right place here. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age, while we. Wait is our word again, the root there. We wait for the blessed hope. What? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us. Amen? We wait eagerly, Paul says. As we, as we think about Philippians chapter 3, our verse today, I'll have to be honest with you. I've known this verse for a long time. I've read it many times. I've preached on it. I've used it at various occasions. And in verse 20, where it says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I have to admit, oftentimes I thought that strictly in a sense of the hope of heaven, right? The hope of heaven, the hope. Now we've, we've, as we've mentioned, we've, we've been through a lot of loss at our church these last several months. A lot of our dear friends that God has called home. I can't think of a time in our, you know, I've been pastor 25 years. I've been on staff here for 35 years. I grew up in this church. I can hardly think of a time in a, in a two to three month period where as many of our loved ones were called home to be with God as have been this year. And, it focuses our attention on, on the hope that we have of eternal life in heaven. Our hope of eternal life in heaven. But I want to suggest to you that in this particular context, that is not the only story. I think the story here, in this particular contrast context, if we contrast it with what goes previous, look at Colossians chapter 3, and look at the context of this, of this affirmation of our citizenship in heaven. Look at the context in verse 17. Paul says this to the Philippian church. Join with others, chapter 3, verse 17. Join with others in following my example. Take note, brothers, take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. It's important. When, I, when I've taught you on ethics and how to live and what is right and what is wrong and how we've, we've modeled that for you. 
You should take note of that. It's important. We're doing that for a purpose. And I want you to note those who agree with this. Why? For I've often told you, and before, and now, I've told you before, and now I say it again, even with tears. And I don't, I think this is literal. Paul is under house arrest in Rome. He is in Rome under arrest. He is, un, he is a ringleader of the Christian church. He's under arrest in Rome, writing to the colony of Rome in Philippi to these believers. And he says, I'm shedding tears over what I'm hearing. This, this breaks my heart that many, and I think, I think he's talking about the context of the, the believers. I don't think it would surprise him for outside the, the household of faith. But he says, I, I have to tell you, this breaks my heart. That many are living as if they were enemies of the cross. They're living this way. Why? Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. That's kind of an odd thing to say. Their God is their stomach. But the, the, the import of it is they're only focused on the here and now and what matters, what they can get for themselves right now. They're gluttons. Their glory is their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. So he said, listen, I want you to take note of this. There are those who are living this way and, and, they, and they're not truly believers in Christ. So they wouldn't be living this way. And I want you to note this. This is how they live. It's not good. And it's in that context, he says, but, but our citizenship is in heaven from where we anticipate eagerly the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ for us. So I want to suggest to you that we don't look at this verse simply as, as, a, as a reminder that, that we have hope in heaven, but we look at this verse that this hope in heaven should drastically impact how we are living now. Right? That's what he's talking about. These people are living this way. You shouldn't live that way. Because you're a citizen of heaven and you are an outpost representing core values of heaven on earth, you should be living like those core values. Listen, friends, if, if anywhere there is seen in this world grace and mercy, justice and righteousness, hope, it should be in this outpost of heaven that we are part of. Our world should see this in us. Our world should see this in us. This is who we should be. This is the point here. Because our citizenship is in heaven and because we eagerly, you notice, do you notice here, he doesn't say our citizenship is in heaven and we are eagerly awaiting to get out of here and get there. And I do understand. I mean, I, I visit with people all the time and some who are, really at the end of their human life here, and they know it, and they say, I don't know why God leaves me here. <laughs> I had that experience this week, and, and say, you know what? That's up to God, and we, and we know that. And I, and I understand why they're saying that. You know, you, you get to a point where maybe you feel useless, like there's nothing I can even do anymore. You can pray. You know, we are living off the prayers of people who can't do something else, maybe. <laughs> you can pray. We are an outpost to heaven. And you notice he doesn't say, and don't worry, we're going to leave and be there. What he says is we are anticipating and looking forward to him coming to us. That's what we're hoping for. You know, we know we believe in, in the rapture, that we will meet him in the clouds of the air. We also believe Christ is coming back to earth. 
He's coming again. And he's going to reign. And there's going to be justice and peace on earth and goodwill to all people. And he says, because you're a citizen of heaven, you are waiting for this. And you should represent this right now. Don't be like these others. Be like how I showed you to live. Friends, the hope of the resurrection is a glorious thing. Here's our hope. And we'll close with this. Verse 21. We eagerly await a Savior. From there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. This is language from chapter, from chapter 2 where it talks about what Jesus did when he came to earth. You know, we are celebrating Christmas, the babe and the manger. This is the time of year that the, the, the manger scenes are coming out. And the little, and the little baby in the manger. And, and it amazes me. You know, every year we talk about, in, you know, right now it's, it's eager anticipation. In a few weeks we'll be putting it all away. Right? And the manger scenes, we have a beautiful one from Bethlehem, made of olive wood that we bought in our first trip to Bethlehem. And it comes out and it gets put away. And for so many people, that's in their heart. It gets, comes out at Christmas, it gets put away till next year. But we know this story, that this was only the beginning. And it tells us in chapter 2 of Philippians, verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Now look at it. taking. Now look at these words. Taking the very nature of a human servant of a human servant, not an emperor, a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He actually became human flesh. And this is the same language and imagery that's used in chapter 3 that we're reading today where Paul says he will transform our lowly transform our lowly bodies, so they will be like his glorious body. Friends, the hope of Christmas, the eager anticipation we have is is twofold. As we sing these songs of hope and anticipation, it's really twofold for us today. One is that that we we have been given the privilege of being an outpost of heaven here on earth. And that matters. We are not just here killing time till we're done. It matters how we live. In fact, that is probably the, the focus of this passage. We are citizens of heaven. We are waiting for the Savior. And we also have the hope of eternal resurrection, of the transformation of our lowly bodies. They will really be like His, and we will experience this by the power of God. What does it mean to be a people who are eagerly expecting and longing for Christ to come. What does that mean? I want you to, as you, as you wrap this up here, I want you to notice in many of your translations, you will notice that chapter 4 and verse 1 goes with this passage. If some of your translations, they have headings, you'll see a paragraph break, and I think it's right. Chapter 4, Paul didn't write number 4 there. Okay, that, that was added for our benefit by editors, let's say. He didn't put the number four. He's writing a letter, just like you don't put chapters in your letters, right? 
he's writing a letter to this church. This is a letter. It's an epistle. And so here, he said, let's, let's read it in his context. But our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, he will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear Friends, exclamation mark. You see that? Therefore, what is this therefore? It's therefore, because of this hope and expectation, Paul says, listen, therefore, it's important that you stand firm. Stand firm in what? In these core values of heaven that we are to live here on earth this Christmas season. We are called to be his representatives, to be his family, to spread the message of hope, salvation, grace, mercy. We are to represent God, God who is in heaven, but is in our presence here and now. Christmas longing is Christian living and rejoicing in hope. Let's close our service with our final song, Christmas Carol. We should love the music this time of year, Christmas music. And next Sunday, be sure and join us. And we are going to meet in uh, here for Sunday school, fidelity class, meet in your classes. We're going to join the sanctuary. It'll be all decorated. We're going to continue our Christmas celebrations. Our children are going to share in the service next week in our adult choir the following week, Christmas longing. I want to tell you, I can't thank you enough for your flexibility and attitude toward all the remodel and the changes and being in here. And you've enjoyed it, I know. We're going to enjoy being back in the sanctuary. But thank you so much. You've been really great about this whole thing. Our goal is to have a place where people feel welcome. They want to be here to visit and talk and sense the community of love that we can have here and reach to this neighborhood as this neighborhood changes with the love, grace, and mercy of Christ. Amen? Amen. So thank you so much. We're going to continue to transition for a couple of weeks. And uh, the first Sunday of January, we are planning a all-church coffee break in the new lobby. Nice. Okay? Yes. <laughs> and we promise, Craig, we won't spill coffee on the new carpet. All right? <laughs> But if it does, we can clean it. We can figure that out. So, yeah, the first Sunday of January, we'll have kind of a dedication. We'll have a coffee break and fellowship in there. You can really appreciate it, enjoy it. And so for the next few weeks, we'll continue to be flexible. And thank you so much for that. And God bless you for coming today. Amen? Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for this congregation, their love for you. We thank you for our guests today with us. It's a good day. It's a good day to just be thankful for what you have given us, not to look at what other people have and wish we had more, but to be thankful. We, we remember that, that day, Lord, that, that our Savior um, uh, reminded that what, 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 what profit is a person have to gain the whole world but to lose their own soul? What would we trade for that? And Father, we thank you this morning for the longing of Christmas, for the longing and hope of our redemption. We thank you for the, the security of our hope in Christ, and we look forward to our Lord's return 
what a wonderful day it's going to be when there truly is peace on earth and goodwill to men. Walk with us. May we live and represent. May we be an outpost of heaven on this corner for our community to see and how we love and the compassion and the care that we have. In Christ our Savior's name, all God's people can say together, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Amen.